Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Arthur Snell. A major war is taking place on the European continent with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We'll be releasing a series of special episodes to help you understand the background to this historic crisis and track it as it unfolds. This is Doomsday Watch. Welcome back to Doomsday Watch. We hope you're finding these war bulletins valuable. A quick reminder that you can support our work on the crowdfunding app Patreon from as little as £3 per month. Just search Patreon Doomsday Watch or follow the link in the show notes. Among the many geopolitical impacts from Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a question of NATO membership for those European countries that have hitherto not joined, notably Finland and Sweden. And of these two, perhaps the most important strategically is Finland with its 1,300-kilometre border with Russia. Jana Kohonen is a Finnish academic who has looked at questions of political and security policy in Finland and joins us today from Helsinki to discuss this. Jana, welcome. We're speaking today, it's the middle of March About 20 days ago, Russia began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, and that has changed European perspectives on politics and security in a fundamental way. One of the countries perhaps most affected is your country, Finland. Of course, Finland has a huge, long border with Russia. It has historically a complicated relationship with that country. And it has historically pursued a path of neutrality with a Western leaning. But now a lot of people in Finland are looking to change that pathway. There's a lot of discussion about the possibility of Finland joining NATO. And it's a perfect time to be discussing these issues with you, Janna. So if I may, I'd like to start... For those listeners of ours who are less familiar with Finland and its post-war history, perhaps you could just describe the choices that Finland made at the end of the Second World War and the unique pathway it chose between NATO and, and between the, the Warsaw Pact. Okay, um, yeah, it's, um, shall we say, it's a complicated history. Finland had to participate in the Second World War. We didn't want to participate, of course. But we were drawn into the war in 1939 when uh, Stalin's Soviet Union attacked us based on Stalin's fears that Finnish territory might be used as a staging area for attacks against Leningrad. And of course, a contributing factor was also Stalin's desire to undo the mistakes of Lenin, who had, so to speak, permitted Finland and Baltic countries to become independent in 1917. Most of you probably know about the Finnish Winter War. We fought for 105 days and uh, we pleaded for help from Western powers. 
from democracy because Finland Finland was quite stable democracy. I'd, I'd say that Finland was in many ways in a quite similar position to Ukraine today. We had our problems with the democracy. We had far right. They had tried to take over in 1932, for instance. But overall, we were on our way to becoming a full democracy. And we really would have wanted help from, from Western democracies. But for many reasons, including the fact that the war was going on in, in Europe, that was not forthcoming. So after the Winter War, there was this period called interim peace, which was a very tense period where the Soviet Union kind of massed forces along Finnish border with the intention of, of finishing off what it started. And that, and let's be frank, some uh, short-sighted decisions led to Finland joining the war again in 1941, and this time on the side of Nazi Germany. And I really think this was a big mistake, but it's slightly more understandable because at this point Germany had occupied Denmark and Norway and it was physically almost impossible to get aid from Western powers even if they could have provided it at that point. So that, that war led to another disaster. We lost even more territories and a lot more people. And the post-war environment where we, we were saved from Soviet occupation more by a stroke of luck. Finnish army managed to stop the Soviet assault and the Soviet forces were more busy racing towards Berlin than finishing off us. So that was the starting point for the post-war Finnish foreign policy. That we were basically at the mercy of the Soviet Union and we knew that we couldn't get any meaningful help from anywhere. Sweden might help, but even that help would be quite little. And uh, we had to adopt this kind of attitude where we were really careful not to do anything that would somehow be seen as compromising the Soviet interests so that we'd avoid giving any pretext for taking over Finland altogether. This is what was called the Finlandization, that we kind of like preemptively censored ourselves and vote to the wishes from the Kremlin even before they were actually announced. And so Finlandization, as you said, is, is a sort of unique word that describes Finland's posture in the post-war, during the Cold War period. And just to illustrate, because again, uh, many people may not be familiar with just what a large but also sparsely populated country we're talking about. If I understand it correctly, the border between Finland and Russia is close to a thousand kilometers. And most of that area has almost no population at all. Is that correct? It's actually 1,340 kilometers land border. And yes, it's it's mostly very sparsely populated. Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem because uh, we have about as much of a border with Russia than uh, Ukraine has when you count Belarus yeah, as border as well. So our border is almost as long. And Ukraine has almost about 44 million people. We have 5.5 and mostly, they are mostly living in the south. So we take this story forward to the more recent history. Finland joined the European Union, its economy, it joined the euro currency, unlike some other Nordic countries, and its, its economy and politics became very integrated with Europe, but it did not join NATO. And before the current crisis, what was the debate around NATO membership for Finland? I'd start from uh, 
uh, noting that the, even the European Union membership was for us primarily security policy decision. When even Finns are thinking about policy, it's sometimes difficult because we have because of this long period of finalization, we learned to not talk aloud about what we were actually doing. But even the former president Koivisto was uh, very clear in his memoirs that the European Union was primarily a security policy decision. That means that we joined the European Union because we were afraid of Russia. And for various reasons, we thought that going to NATO at the time would have been too much. Kind of like it, it would jeopardize our relationships with, with the Kremlin and result to all kinds of problems. We didn't really fear war at that point, but more like economic um, kind of like sanctions from from Russia because still used to be a big trade partner. But before this crisis, there had been this increase, slowly increasing acceptance that Finland might one day join NATO. Many reasons. Uh, one is that this older generation who was kind of like schooled in this system of Finlandization in politics is now retiring and dying. And uh, we also have this realization that our independent defense is slowly becoming unviable because of increasing costs of military equipment. We have been able to extend it by clever purchases that, for instance, we bought almost new main battle tanks from the Dutch just moments yeah. before the crisis in Crimea in 2014. But these kind of bargain bin finds are now quite rare. So we can't keep up this level of independent defense forever. But the nature of Finland's defense is also special to Finland. If I'm not mistaken, you maintain a culture of national service and of reserve service. So involvement in defense is not just the preserve of the professional army? No, Finland does not have an army as such. It's more like that we are an army. It also happens to have a nation to recycle this quote about Prussia. We have a universal conscription for males and for volunteer females. Been talks about expanding it to be really universal because it's obvious equality issue, but I don't think that's, that's so pressing right now. Most Finnish males actually um, do their conscript service. Then we uh, enter into reserves and we have these uh, mandatory refresher trainings that are designed to exercise us further. And uh, there's extremely high willingness to defend a country. I, I think that Ukrainians actually answered before the war, something like 37% of Ukrainians said that they would fight if invaded in Finland, this has been consistently over 70, almost 80 percent. Wow. Answer to the same question. So there is this like culture and tradition that if we were attacked, we would fight back. And this is kind of like we follow this doctrine of it's sometimes called total defense. That the defense of Finland is not just a question for the army or the military, but it would be an effort for the whole society. So we have like uh, we have these special courses for high-ranking members in in politics in in economic life where they get together and uh, actually even war game potential scenarios under the leadership of the defense forces they even war game potential scenarios and think about how their civilian occupations would uh, respond to this kind of a crisis. So we have quite a unique system in. In Europe, I don't know if many, uh, not many countries in, in the world have the same kind of a total defense system anymore. 
And that means then that the way that Finland responds to seeing an invasion of Ukraine, where perhaps we can say that Ukraine adopted total defense, but it had not that culture, as you said, you know, the, you, you talked about the surveys that were made in Ukraine a few years ago. So I suppose it's now time to talk about Ukraine. To start with a very general question, how does the public in Finland respond to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, given your history, your geography, the particular circumstances that you find yourselves in? Well, we really see it as a replay of the Winter War. Yeah. And Finnish public is really overwhelmingly, like almost unanimously supporting Ukraine. I think that it would probably be easier to, you know, just count the few people who don't support Ukraine fully. <laughs> so <laughs> this is really amazing. I haven't seen like this kind of behavior in my lifetime. So, so yeah, we are really, uh, the public is really fully on the side of Ukraine. And uh, the politicians are too, we understand that they have to be more careful, but they seem to be fully on board as well. As you've helpfully explained, there was a period of Finlandization, and then towards the end of that period, Finland chose to be in the EU as a security policy, but it was, as you, as you described it, the, the NATO question was perhaps still going a bit far. But it feels like Finland has been through a revolution in its public opinion on this question in the past month. Is, is, that, is that a correct statement? Yes, that would be a correct statement. We have assumed for a long time that because we have what we call a NATO option, that's the name that we use in domestic discussion, that we retain the option of joining NATO if needed. And there has been this assumption that in a crisis, the political leadership would announce that now Finland needs to join NATO and then the public opinion would shift because our public opinion has been actually somewhat against the majority has been against joining. But now this changed completely. People in Finland, the commentators, are wondering that this wasn't supposed to happen, that now the public is leading. And the last poll indicated something like 62% of all Finns in favor of joining, which is complete reversal of the position just like six months ago. And uh, even in the most famously anti-NATO parties like the Left Alliance, the majority of the membership now supports joining. Only 16% of all Finns were against joining. And I think this is quite remarkable because if you ask 100 Finns that do you want free money, I would say that more than 16 of them would say no thanks. <laughs> so so this is really, I'm just like, uh, it's hard to describe how unprecedented this kind of animity in a question like this is. Finland's Prime Minister, Sanna Marin, is one of the most notable female political leaders in Europe. What is the view of her and her coalition on this question of NATO membership? She used to be sceptical about NATO membership, if, if not like you know, downright hostile to the idea. But it's hard to say because it's a Finnish tradition not to talk out loud about security policy, that these kind of decisions have always been made behind closed doors. And it's been long assumed that when Finland applies for NATO, politicians will be denying that in public for as long as they are able. 
even after the decision is made. The reasons for this should be obvious because we want to minimize the window of vulnerability between the NATO application becoming public and the application being uh, accepted. Because uh, during yeah. that period, uh, there are no official security guarantees against against the Kremlin. But it, it does seem to me that the prime minister and her party are coming towards supporting NATO if they haven't already done so. The main obstacle is the center party now in, in government who have been quite anti-NATO for a long time. Well, let's let's say traditionally they have been against these kind of things. But it does seem like that they too now have to change their opinions fairly rapidly. They are... They are uh, the parties are saying that they need to have their regular meetings there with, the, with the members, which are scheduled for the summer, and then they will be discussing the NATO membership. But I would say that there's a good chance that part of this is this kind of smokescreen, that they are really making decisions, but they don't want to make it public yet. That leads me to the question of a timetable. I'm very interested the way you've described that although Finland is a very open society, that there are some issues that are not discussed publicly. But is it possible to estimate how quickly this decision might be made and, and how it would be made? Is is there a need for a referendum or is there a need for any constitutional step or can the government simply approach the organization in Brussels and and make its application? Well, the Finnish constitution gives quite a lot of power to the president. And uh, the idea is that the president incorporates with prime minister and the government leads the foreign policy, while the government is more focused on on, uh, domestic policy. It would be totally possible to join without any uh, public referendum. There is now this talk that should we have a referendum? We have been against it because we know that such a referendum would be a perfect opportunity for Russian information operations. And uh, personally, I don't think we are going to see that there is no pressing um, political need for it. The government and the president can basically introduce the initiative and then the parliament ratifies it. So from that point of view, the process could be quick. But before it is made public, we want to have solid guarantees through diplomatic channels that members of NATO are going to accept our application and preferably as fast as possible. So the timetable for Finland joining NATO is now, um, well, it's hard to say. I, I, I think we are talking about months now. My guess is that we will be NATO members by the end of this year. Might take a little bit longer, but if it Unless uh, we see NATO application from Finland uh, before the year is over, then at least my conclusion, unless some new information surfaces, is that in that case there has been some kind of backroom deal where Finland has been excluded from NATO. So it's now or never, in my opinion. And if I may add one more thing, is that Finnish and Swedish decisions regarding NATO are highly intertwined. And we have uh, we have an understanding that we really should join together with Sweden. That it might not even be a good idea if Finland only joins or Sweden only joins. But we'll see what happens. It's uh, it's going to be interesting because we assumed here as well that Sweden would be leading the way and we would follow. But it seems like it's going the other way around. But whenever you hear talks about the membership of Sweden or of Finland. 
remember that they are highly intertwined. Let's assume that Finland joins NATO, maybe, as you say, late, later this year or in, in the next year or so. This will have a major impact on NATO itself, it seems to me, for two reasons. One, although the Finnish population is quite small, as you've described, you have this unique approach of a, a modern conscript army, highly trained, total defense. So it, it's a small country with a, with a powerful military culture, but it's also geographically extremely important. As you will know better than us, historically, NATO had a small border at the top of Norway with NATO and Russia in the Arctic Circle. But you are going to add a 1300 kilometer direct border with Russia. So what, what's your perception of the impact on NATO of this large, physically large country with an important military potentially joining? Well, that is hard for me to say because I don't really know that much about how NATO deliberates internally. So I would guess that the Nordic and the Baltic questions gain more in importance. I think that would be a good idea for the overall safety and security of Europe. But I would also say that it's probably not going to be that huge a step because we are already about as integrated as we can be to NATO systems without actually being members. And we know that yeah. the Russian general staff believes, and I think correctly, that in any conflict in, in the Baltic region, we would declare for the Western Alliance. They already consider us, uh, us as uh, members of Western Alliance, and it's probably a correct estimate. So that's a in very interesting point there, that from the perspective of Russia, that they know that Finland behaves in some way as if it is already in NATO, even if it is not a formal member of the alliance. Now, that perhaps moves us to talk about Russia. Of course, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Finland appropriately, given your expertise. But this discussion is an illustration of the disastrous bad decision that Vladimir Putin has made as one of many impacts of his invasion of Ukraine is the possibility of a large, wealthy, significant European country joining NATO. Now, as we know, the Russians have already made some kinds of threats about the possibility of Finland, but also Sweden, of course, another neutral country in the Nordic region to join NATO. Is there anyone making the, the sort of counter argument that actually it would be dangerous for Finland it's a provocation to Russia that actually Finland was successful in its period of Finlandization, that it, it progressed economically, it had a stable politics. So I'm not saying it's my opinion, but I just wonder if some people are talking in that argument. Oh, yes, that's, that's, uh, uh, that is the most common argument here against joining, that we, we were relatively successful during the period of Finlandization when we were technically neutral. Actually, we were silent partners in the Warsaw Pact because we had this treaty that would have forced us to basically join, not technically, but in principle, join the Soviet war if war between Soviet Union and NATO had actually occurred. So the, that's that's the most common argument. And uh, of course, it is a possibility. But right now, the military consequences that Russia is threatening taking a beating in Ukraine, 
they have had to empty their garrisons on the Finnish border and send the troops to Ukraine. And we know that at least two major fighting units have been almost decimated there. So uh, that's uh, we are not really right now concerned about any military threat. I think that your listeners in English-speaking countries should understand that these kind of threats that Russia has been making now about military consequences if Finland and Sweden join NATO, they are nothing new. We have been hearing them for the, I'd say, for the last 20 years almost. And uh, it's kind of like boilerplate stuff that they say every time that Finnish NATO membership has become some sort of news, they always say that there will be political and military consequences of such a move. And I'm not overly concerned, and I don't think that most Finns are either. That's a very helpful context. And I suppose that the final question I'd like to sort of pose to you is really about Ukraine's war and what it helps Finland understand about its own situation if there was a war. Because, of course, many people look at Ukraine's war and they talk about Finland's winter war, the the famous defence of Finland against a huge Russian army, and in spite of which Finland was able to hold off a Russian army for over 100 days. Now, what we're seeing, this is now a, a different era in the 21st century, we're seeing that Ukraine, again, has been able to hold back a large Russian invasion force. So from the perspective of a country that has always prepared for this sort of total national defence that you described, I doubt anybody in Finland is is feeling happy or comfortable, but are you feeling confident? Yes, certainly. It's been uh, really interesting to watch the invasion of Ukraine unfold in a, in a sense that the Russian army is coming almost exactly as the Finnish professional soldiers have been saying and teaching that they would operate, except they have made a really shitty job about it. So this is a more like a <laughs> clown car invasion in our, from our point of view that we have been preparing for a much more competent enemy. And yeah. uh, if, if they tried to pull this kind of an invasion into Finland, then we would effortlessly kick them out. So we are not really concerned about about that. And, and for Ukraine, like, um, yeah, it, it does look a lot like a winter war. But the good thing is that, well, there, there was there's this uh, well-known Finnish joke that one Finnish uh, soldier is equivalent to 10 Russians. But what if the 11th comes? Now, it just so happens that Ukraine has about 11 times as many people as Finland had in, in the winter war. So I'm, I'm kind of right. like uh, optimistic that they can, they can do better. I guess my, my final question is, how can Finland help Europe deal with Russia? Because ultimately, your country probably has a greater understanding of the question of, a, of, of defending its territory against this huge country. And you have decades of experience. And there are countries in Europe that are catching up. You know, Germany is revolutionizing its own defense policy and, of course, its, its energy policy. There are a lot of changes happening rapidly. What, what is the role of Finland in the wider European conversation about European security? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I think, like, um, well, let's, uh, first of all, I would like to thank the Baltic countries more. That they have been more realistic about Russia than Finland. We have had like our own share of optimism in, in the play and perhaps even naivete. So uh, I don't think that Finland has uh, any special relationship to Russia in that sense that we are somehow like 
well, people are talking about President Niinistö being some kind of Putin whisperer, which is stupid. But <laughs> I think like uh, what we we have to give is this understanding that these kind of older threats, like invasions of whole countries, they didn't go out of style in 1991. We were yeah. told for a long time that we have this obsolete old army that is focused on fighting a mechanized enemy. And now see what happened. We, we have the saying that in security policy, the quarter is 25 years so that you have to really uh, think about long term with, because it's easy to run down on a military or defense, but it's really difficult to raise it again. And the Swedes are now learning this, for instance, that they, they had even better systems than Finland had in the Cold War. And then they decided that eternal peace has broken out and now they can scrap everything. And that was a mistake and they are now paying the price, so to speak. Well, it's it's a lesson that many people are having to learn. Only last year, late last year, our Prime Minister Boris Johnson was making jokes about how there were no longer tank battles in Europe. This was, you know, the, the old history. And, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, well, from your reaction, you, you can you can see the, the problems with that argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I hadn't even heard that. But it's like, if I had heard that, I would have said that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So, yeah. That's a big debate here in England, but um, we'll, we'll, that's probably for another time. Janne Korhonen, thank you very much for joining us for this interview to help us understand this really important development in uh, Nordic Europe, which will affect all of us. So thank you for joining us in this Doomsday Watch interview. Well, thank you. We hope you find these war bulletins valuable amongst the huge amount of information out there. So don't forget to subscribe and help spread the word by rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other app that has ratings. And if you really like the show, you can support us on the crowdfunding app Patreon. You'll get the shows early, ad-free, and help shape future episodes. Just search Patreon Doomsday Watch or follow the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.